Hello there, I'm Justin and welcome to today's episode of The Pickup Line. Uh, so school's out here where I live in North Carolina as it is in most of the places across the country right now. Um, so I'm technically not in the pickup line right now waiting to pick up my kid from school, but I still wanted to record some episodes uh, for all you loyal listeners out there. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about my reactions to the new uh, premiere of Westworld season of, uh, season three, episode one that aired last night. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about what some of my favorite musicians are doing right now in this time of crisis and doing their best to assuage some of the world's fears. And I'll run down a quick list of some of the games that I am playing right now as we are in this sort of stay-at-home mode social distancing um, phase in American history. So thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get into it. So if anyone was able to tune in last night and check out the season premiere of the new season of Westworld, I think you were in for a treat. Uh, Westworld has really been one of my favorite television shows over the past several years. Um, and I talked a little bit about why I love this show on, on a past episode of The Pickup Line, so you're welcome to go uh, listen to that. But I wanted to talk a little bit, of, do a quick recap of the season three premiere. Um, and then give some of my reactions to it. So, um, quick spoiler alert, uh, in the next part of the podcast, for about the next five minutes or so, there's going to be some spoilers for Season 3, Episode 1. So if you haven't watched this episode yet, uh, you might want to just skip ahead a little bit. Um, so just heads up, there's going to be some discussion and spoilers of the events in Season 1, or in Season 3, Episode 1 of Westworld. So Westworld Season 2 ended with Dolores uh, emancipating herself from the confines of the Westworld theme park and making her way out into uh, what, what we presume to be the real world of 2058. Um, and so Season 3 kind of picks up a little bit after Dolores has begun to acclimate herself to this new new world that she's found herself in. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to, to start is, is sort of this world um it's a really interesting kind of portrayal of the future of society in in america um and other places as well um so i think you know for me for a lot of people i think the paradigm of future uh, world is kind of like the is like thinking of blade runner right like i think blade runner really set the standard for a dystopian future um, I wouldn't describe the future of West in, in the series Westworld as dystopian necessarily. Um, there are certainly some uh, dystopian uh, things that are that are in there, but you know what? It's not it's not gritty and kind of dirty and uh, seemly the way that Blade Runner uh, portrayed its sort of future world. It's much more um, sterilized, clean. Um, transparent, a lot of glass, literally transparent, like there's a lot of glass everywhere. Um, and so in this vision of, of 2058, you can kind of see 
uh, how our current society could get to 2058. Um, some of the interesting things uh, right out of the first scene of Westworld Season 3 Episode 1, we see the way the technology has shaped how we live. Um, we've got you know, algorithms controlling everything, smart home automation systems, eyeglasses that, that tap directly into our retinas and display uh, holographic VR, AR images uh, in, our, in our field of vision. Um, everything controlled remotely. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like this. Right in the very first scene, as we see Dolores kind of infiltrate the home of some kind of high-powered business person um, who's trying to dump their shares of in, in Westworld now that this horrible uh, park massacre has occurred and all of these people have been murdered in, in the park. Um, Dolores infiltrates this person's home and kind of does this elaborate sort of like cat and mouse game with him uh, in order to get him to sign away his fortune to her so that she has some equity in order to uh, pursue her interests here in the new world as she... Uh, whatever those interests may be. We're not quite sure yet what those are. Um, we're also quickly introduced to a new character, um, Cal, Calvin, or I'm sorry, Caleb, uh, Cal, they call him Cal. His name's Caleb, I believe, um, uh, played by Aaron Paul, um, who's kind of this uh, ex-soldier, uh, war veteran who's just trying to make a living, trying to make his way through the world, doesn't really feel like he's connected to anything. Uh, you can tell he's struggling. He has a mother with, with dementia or Alzheimer's, um, and he's struggling with that. He's tr struggling to get a job. He's trying to make ends meet. He's sort of haunted by the ghost of his, uh, his former war friend. Um, and we get a glimpse into uh, some interesting technology with him as well. He has this little app on his phone that lets you tap into uh, illicit and criminal activities and you just kind of complete these jobs for this anonymous app on your phone. And if you complete the job successfully, then you're rewarded with, uh, with money. And so you can make money um, by, by kind of tapping into this app and um, completing the tasks. And so we, we see um, Aaron Paul, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and... Um, Oh, I can never remember her name, but she's a really great actress. I'll have to look it up and put it in the credits. But we see these three pretty famous folks uh, sort of hook up through this app, just meet up, and then they do this little bank job, and then they kind of get away. Very Grand Theft Auto sort of-ish. Um, you know, so it's a very interesting um, kind of look into what all of these apps and what all of this sort of like... Imagine if Uber was for criminal activity. It's kind of what, what that is. Um, so he's doing these things. He's kind of doing these, these uh, illicit deeds. And then we're also watching Dolores kind of play out her, her, uh, her mission, uh, which seems to be to, one, become the lover, girlfriend, partner of this um, tech giant, this guy who is somehow has created this, um, this thing called, I think it's called Shebola, um, and it's this giant spherical, very Neon Genesis Evangelion um, computer AI that, as we find out, um, is completely unbeknownst even to the person that created it, this, this, this tech guy that Dolores has become the girlfriend of. Uh, he doesn't even understand what it really is or what it does um, because his father and his father's mysterious partner uh, locked him out of the core of what this, this computer algorithm thing is. And the problem with that is that this computer algorithm 
machine is basically controlling all of modern society, everything down to traffic and uh, you know business and everything else. It's this sort of strategic, predictive, algorithmic uh, computer AI that's basically controlling all of modern society. And so you know you can see these flashes of of you know as we've seen in so much science fiction, the dangers of AI and, and how is our technology going to serve us or are we going to be serving it as we move into the future? Um, so it brings up some interesting questions about these things right at the very beginning and, and, and we see Dolores kind of do this neat little like infiltration mission to kind of follow this computer guy and figure out what, what he's up to and to try to figure out apparently who this mysterious partner is that locked this computer AI from everyone. Um, she apparently wants to know who that was and she does not find that out yet in episode one. We also get a glimpse to see what's happening with Bernard. Uh, Bernard has been, or sort of the the host version uh, of Bernard slash Arnold, the, the composite model that, that uh, Dolores brought out of the park with her um, and set loose in the world. He has been blamed for the events in Westworld, the, the, the nascent code that he created for the park guests um, that went awry has been put on his shoulders and he's kind of on the lamb and we see him uh, under an assumed identity working at a um, what appears to be some sort of animal processing plant and at night when he retires to his little pod he's running diagnostics on himself and he's implementing code into his own code matrix so that he can do certain things or forget certain things or remember certain things and we see that come to fruition the next day when two of his uh, colleagues attempt to accost him uh, on the on the meat processing floor and Bernard realizes that he's about to uh, get into a fight with these gentlemen and he presses a little uh, button that he has in his pocket which I guess uh, runs some kind of code in his programming which turns him into some sort of like fighter guy and he's able to fend off and defeat these two people and kind of forget that he did it um, and go back to his normal self and then he runs away to find a to, to go somewhere um, and it's, it seems as though the place he's trying to get to is is Westworld so he's going back to the park to try to find a friend um, whoever that may be um, the, the, the sort of climax of the episode occurs when uh, Dolores, in her efforts to infiltrate and find out who this mysterious um, person is that is uh, working with her, her husband or her partner, um, are, are, are apparently thwarted by the, the husband's like security guard. He kind of electrocutes her, um, and they bind her, and they put her in a helicopter, uh, presumably to take her somewhere to execute her. Um, and she's kind of aware of all of this, and she's kind of, it's pretty obvious that she's sort of playing along, playing into it. And they bring her out to this remote location to execute her, and um, their plans go awry when a car shows up, and there is a host version of the security guard that had kidnapped Dolores in the car, um, a body that she had printed off. And the idea being that, you know, going back to what we found out in the end of season two, that everyone who visited the park was being tagged, documented, data logged. And all their decisions, all their sort of code was, if you will, the human code being put into these books, into these sort of uh, data banks, so that uh, potentially you could create a, a line of code for a human being and you could implement that code into a host and you would basically be able to replicate that human's personality and all the decisions that, that human has made throughout their life. Um, and so that's what we see playing out here. She kills the security guard and then replaces him with a doppelganger version uh, host code version because the security guard once visited the park uh, as Dolores reminds him uh, just before she executes him. So Dolores now has two hosts that she's controlling that are infiltrating um, this this enigmatic uh, programmer herself and this security guard guy. We also get a quick glimpse at uh, 
Jennifer Hale, or not Jennifer Hale, um, I forget, uh, Charlotte Hale, um, who is now kind of trying to um, stem the tide of uh, the, the Delos board, kind of deal with the fallout of, of Westworld. And we see her kind of saunter into a meeting and take charge and tell the executive board kind of how they're going to proceed and what they're going to do. We're still unsure who that person is who's in that uh, Hale body. Um, there's some uh, allusions to who it might be at the very end of the episode in the weeks to come trailer, but um, that'll be interesting. And then if you watch until the end of the credits, the very last thing we got to see was this really cool shot of Maeve and where she ended up. It looks like Maeve is in another version of Westworld, this time in some sort of a uh, Nazi-occupied uh, village. Um, and she seems to be some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, interrogator or a spy or something like this. And, and she wakes up there. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the weeks to come. Overall, I thought this was a really cool episode. Um, did I miss kind of like the Westworldiness of it all? I sure did. Um, but I think they're going to kind of circle back to that. I think there's going to be some interesting things that happen in the sort of decaying, uh, defunct Westworld park later. Um, this episode felt less to me like the show Westworld, and it felt more like a sci-fi show. Um, because of the more straightforward plot lines, and because it was set presumably in our modern reality although i would be very cautious about believing that this modern reality that we are engaging and looking at here is actual reality um i don't know this show has a, has a tendency to kind of flip things upside down on a dime and so I'm, I'm i'm cautiously trepidatious about you know is this the real world um and how close to the Matrix are we going to end up getting with this show? You know, are we going to say like, oh, everything is a simulation? They even allude to the idea that like, what if it's all, what if it was a simulation within a simulation within a simulation? It just never ends. It's a never ending series of simulations. And I mean, that, that rabbit hole um, could go on forever. No pun intended even though that wasn't intentional Matrix illusions. Anyway, uh, if you liked this episode, call into the podcast. Let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear if you liked it or didn't like it, what you thought, what you thought of the performances, what you thought of the plot, and what do you think is going to happen in the weeks to come? It'll be really fun to talk about and to look at, so it should be a good discussion. Uh, we're going to move on now to something different and um, talk a little bit about one particular song by The Midnight. So we're living in a really scary time right now, for sure. Um, every day feels uh, unknown and confusing and anxiety-inducing. And I know for my own my own life right now is very up in the air. You know, both my partner and I are working from home, which is something that's really lucky that we're even able to do that. I know there's millions of people out there that have have no job at the moment and they're not sure where to go or what to do or who to turn to. And that's really terrible. And I wish that was not the case. Luckily, we have jobs that allow us to do working from home and so we're really fortunate there our five-year-old daughter is out of school right now and we're homeschooling her and trying to do our jobs at the same time and just trying to stay in our house at the same time and and all of that combined is making for a, a, a difficult situation you know a situation that is new and and um unknown and different and uh there's an adjustment happening for sure and we're, we're already feeling it we're only a couple of days into this thing um but there have been a lot of really great people out there who have been making things easier, who've been doing things to help with this whole situation and to really kind of give of themselves in whatever ways that they can um, to help just help people, to help people get through all of this. Um, one of those people who was doing a lot of really cool stuff 
one really cool thing in particular is the band The Midnight, my favorite band, Tim McEwen and Tyler Lyle. Um, so the other day, yesterday, uh, well, it was March, March 14th, so two days ago around you know, 6 o'clock at night, The Midnight tweeted out this, uh, these are scary times. We made a collaborative playlist for us all to connect over while we stay at home. We added some songs that we're currently listening to, but we'd love to know what you are listening to. We might be separated, but we are all connected. And they released this really great collaborative Spotify playlist of just some awesome music and tracks that people can listen to. And, you know, this is a really cool thing that they did. You know, they, they kind of put this out there and, and allowed people to communicate and collaborate over it. And there's some great music on there. So I'll put the link to that playlist in the description for this episode. And I would encourage everybody to go check it out. Check out The Midnight. Um, they're both they're both really cool guys and um, they're doing some really great things and uh, here in a moment I'm gonna play for you one of their songs which um, is, is their newest song and it came out last May uh, this around this time last year it's called America online and it seems eerily uh, appropriate to what's happening in the world right now it's a it's a beautiful song about about the loss and perhaps the finding of humanity in a, in a digital age when when we're all connected so so clearly through our devices and our computers and the internet of things um you know do we find do we find humanity there do we find separation there what do we find there and now that literally uh the whole world is literally online america online right as well as everybody else um what does this mean for us what does this mean for for our society as we try to get through this really this really scary time um and so one of the one of the questions that Tyler asks in his lyric for this song is, are we all one beating heart? And I love that. And he has a song that, that, that another song by, on his folk uh, record that sort of uh, deals with that idea of one beating heart. Are we all together in this? Are we all one, one thing? Um, are we unified? And I think this song beautifully kind of, it gives us a soundtrack to help us get through this this trying time right now so i don't think that i don't think they'll mind if i play it here but if they do I'll of course take it off but um here is uh, america online by the midnight take a listen
So that was America Online. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I absolutely I love that song, and, and the Midnight's new record is going to be absolutely stunning. I, I can't wait for it to uh, come out. I also want to talk about a little about what Tyler Lyle did today, uh, March 16th. Um, just kind of, I don't know, I, I would assume this was because of sort of like to give people something as they're going through these difficult times, and it was great, and it was a surprise to me. Back in 2016, Tyler, as I've mentioned on this episode, on this podcast before, produced these these amazing podcast episodes that in, in no small way inspired me to do this podcast, and his project was called The Secret Layer, and it came out in 2016, and he basically put together these extremely well thought through, intellectually stimulating um, well-researched podcast, one each month for about a year, and it was a subscriber-only thing. Um, you could subscribe to Tyler on Bandcamp, and for your subscription each month, you would get a couple of songs that he's been working on, plus this amazing 30-minute-long episode of his podcast. Had I known about Tyler Lyle back then, I would have subscribed to that podcast without a doubt, 100% every month would have been the most amazing thing in the world. But I, I just didn't know about The Midnight and Tyler specifically back then. But I know about it now. And I was really disappointed when I went to find these back episodes of The Secret Layer. And there was only a couple of them um, online here and there um, on SoundCloud. And I listened to all of those and they were great. But just today, Tyler decided to release the subscriber-only sort of uh, records, podcast episodes, collection of music tracks, whatever you want to call them, on Bandcamp today. So he released episodes two and three, and episode three is called, uh, it's about the beautiful, the perhaps beautiful end of the, the glorious, perhaps beautiful end of the world. Um, so it's a really awesome thing that he did to allow folks like me who are coming to this scene a little bit late to be able to get access to that stuff. Um, I would encourage you to, if you want to go check those out, buy them. Um, you know, because we want to, we want to maintain the, the member exclusivity that he kind of, you know, went for, for that podcast, which I totally respect. Um, plus it's worth to buy them anyway. I mean, the music on there is absolutely stunning and the pot, the work that he did on those podcasts was a month worth of stuff. So like a few bucks, 10 bucks per thing. I think that's worth it for the guy because he did all that, that effort and work. So go check out the secret layer podcast on Bandcamp. I will put links to that in the description as well. The music is absolutely beautiful. It's something to do. He's going to release an episode each day this week, I think. Um, and then I th we'll see what happens. But he's supposed to be kind of revamping the secret layer live at Eddie's Attic starting in May. But that may not be a thing anymore. But we'll see. But check it out. It's amazing. And it's just one example of someone out there, a musician, you know, giving something to, to the community, uh, giving what he can from where he can to help us all get through this. And this is just one example of people doing these kinds of things. So check it out. Um, it's really cool. The Secret Layer, Bandcamp, Tyler Lyle. To round out the podcast next, we're going to be talking about just a couple of video games I've been playing this week. So hang in there. So big video game player. Uh, I'm at home with my family all, all day long, so it's difficult to play a lot of the like you know M-rated and more more adult games that I like to play. But uh, I did pick up a new game this week. I've been trying it out a little bit. Uh, it's called Neo Two. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I actually bought it because I was horrible at the first Neo game, 
and uh, I'm, I'm just as bad as the second one. But the game is basically, it's sort of one of these kind of Dark Souls-esque games where it's very difficult. It's an action RPG where you're fighting monsters, you have a lot of controls to master, a lot of control techniques to learn and to be able to do well to succeed. It's very difficult. The game is extremely hard. I think I died about 20 times on like the very first little tiny mini-boss of the game last night. Um, but... But, I'm already liking it a lot more than the first one. Uh, first off, the graphics are absolutely stunning in this game. I was surprised because a lot of the reviews that I read kind of glossed over the graphics, and they said they were just okay, but they weren't amazing. I think they're absolutely amazing, it, Like, and especially in the cutscenes, for the fact that you can create your own character in this game, and to have their face look that realistic in cutscenes is quite amazing. Um, it looks like a real person, it, you know, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, it's very fast-paced, you have a resolution mode if you're playing on... I played on PS4 Pro, so it's got a resolution favor mode and it's got a frame rate favoring mode. I prefer the frame rate mode. It gives you a good 60 frames per second. It's smooth and it's you know it's an action game, so you kind of want that. Um, there's tons of customization. You can acquire abilities and skills from the enemies that you defeat and kind of equip those abilities and skills so you can like perform those things in battle. Tons of weapons to master. There's three different sort of uh, samurai stances that you must take. The thing that really convinced me to buy this game was what one review I read talked about in terms of the, the sort of fictional history of Japan this game attempts to tell you about. I didn't realize these games took place in an actual historical period of Japanese history, but then also weaved in these sort of fictional supernatural elements, and I think that's really cool. Uh, learning about the demons, the yokai, um, they all are rooted in Japanese mythology and history, so it's that's a cool piece to the game that made me that really pushed me over the edge to want to play it. The fact that it's kind of rooted in culturally significant um, mythologies was something that really was interesting to me. So I'm excited to play more. You can check me out playing it on my uh, Twitch channel if you're into that kind of thing. Epic99, EPOCH99. I'll put a link in there. So I'm playing I'm playing that this week for sure. I'm also grinding away in Final Fantasy XIV, so I, I've been getting back into the Final Fantasy XIV of it all. Uh, I've been leveling up Summoner, working on the new expansion Shadowbringers. That game's nice because it's something that is not super violent or crazy, so I can kind of play it, you know, with people around. Uh, we kind of have an open floor plan home, so I don't really have like a room with a door that I can close to play games in. So it's good when I can find a game that isn't uh, going to, you know, <laughs> um, give my child nightmares if she, <laughs> if she glances over at it. Um, I'm also trying to play a little Overwatch, uh, a little bit, get some skins on Overwatch. That's been kind of cool. And I guess I could round that out with uh, two big releases coming out this Friday at the end of the week um, that I'm really pumped for. Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm planning to play that with my five-year-old. We're going to build an entire island, and that's going to be something that we check into pretty much every day. Um, and Doom Eternal. That'll be something that I play at night when everyone's asleep um, with my headphones on. But I'm really excited for those two games for sure coming out March 20th. Um, I also picked up, if you're interested, if you have the Switch, um, on sale this week was uh, LEGO City Undercover. It's a really cool open world LEGO game, sort of in the vein of Grand Theft Auto, but certainly not as, as violent. Um, and it's just kind of like this cool detective uh, LEGO game that you can pick up for like 10 bucks, 11 bucks on Switch this week. So check that out. So those are some of the games I'm playing this week uh, to pass the time and to keep myself kind of sane through all this madness. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today to the pickup line. I hope to continue these episodes even though there is no school and there is no pickup line to, to come from. Uh, as always, if you want to call in or you would like to be a part of the live show, uh, I will always uh, share the link on Twitter each day. 
today um, when I'm recording, so look there. Check out my Twitter account, at Justin R. Carey. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-R, the letter R, C-A-R-Y. That's me. And thank you so much for listening today. I can't wait to, to uh, do the next episode. And until then, I will uh, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>